When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Well, some people in some parts of the country say that the role of the Chief Executive Officer of the AFL receives greater scrutiny than that of the Prime Minister. Now, next guest fulfilled the role of AFL Chief in one of the more turbulent periods of the sport's history as it evolved to become a national competition in the powerhouse that it is today. And I must say, his book, The Phoenix Rises, which was released a few years ago now, from my perspective, is quite a good read. It really is really insightful into what happens in the boardroom and some of the key decisions that have been made throughout AFL history. I speak of former AFL boss Ross Oakley, who has stepped down from the role, I think, 25 years ago, around this month, uh, it must be said. He joins us on the line. Ross, thanks very much for your time. Oh, it's a great pleasure. Uh, the main focus of this interview will be on your last year in charge of the AFL, 25 years on. I must ask, actually, first up, does it feel like yesterday or does it feel like 25 <laughs> years? <laughs> uh, look, it, it, it does feel uh, quite distant now, Uh a lot of water's gone under the bridge, and um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it almost it almost got to uh, that sort of dream stage where you wonder whether it actually happened or not. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it, actually. Uh, I must say, is there a little part of you breathing a sigh of relief that you're not in the job right now during these COVID times with sudden fixture changes, negotiations with the state governments? Uh, is there an element of sympathy you have for Gillam McLaughlin in the sense that so much is happening, although that could probably apply to any business right now? Yeah, yes, there's no doubt about that. And, uh, yeah, look, uh, I think the AFL have um, steered their way through this very well and uh, uh, great credit to them. Um, uh, but uh, I suppose if you look at all the various eras of the AFL, VFL, there were always those moments and uh, there were always those issues to uh, to handle. Um, so uh, it's, uh, I think, just part of the job. Yeah, that's right. Just the swings and roundabouts. It's interesting. Just one last one before we head into 1996. The AFL obviously receives a mixture of praise and criticism. That's just the nature of the beast in regards to the way mm-hmm. the hierarchy is running the game. And I know there was that book that was released recently from Mick Warner, which certainly scrutinised the culture at AFL House in general. From the outside looking mm-hmm. in, obviously you don't have much of an input now, but how do you think the AFL is tracking along in the way that the sport is being governed? Um, look, I think it's pretty good. Um, whilst my uh, knowledge of the AFL now is uh, limited to uh, the press, um, I suppose, and, and radio, of course, and TV, but to the media, let's call it the media, um, uh, I suppose that over the years I've become a little better than most at 
uh, interpreting what's coming through the media. Um, I had to do a lot of that in my time. Um, and I, I would have thought that uh, it's, it's in pretty good condition, uh, given given the way that uh, uh, you know things are going. Um, I would have thought uh, the the AFL is in very good position to uh, take this uh, this great game of ours past this COVID experience and uh, to really uh, take its development uh, the next step. Speaking with former AFL chief Ross Oakley, let's cast our mind back now to 1996, a quarter of a century ago now, which is scary. Coming into that year, was your mind perfectly at ease and feeling comfortable in the fact that it would be your last year in charge at the AFL? When was the decision made that you would pull up stumps at the end of that particular year? Um, It was probably about um, halfway through the season. um, And I I felt that... uh, uh, most uh, or the average chief executive uh, stays in the job about seven years. Um, I'd uh, I'd sort of uh, committed to five years. I was asked if I'd give another five, and I agreed to it. Uh, and I thought it was time to uh, to give someone else a go and uh, get some some new thinking into the place. So. Uh, uh, being the AFL centenary year was, uh, I think, an ideal time to step back. It was billed as a centenary season, obviously celebrating 100 years since the VFL competition began. How long before yep. 1996 were the seeds planted to market that year as a centenary celebration? Uh, it was about three years. Um, we started to put people together um to uh think about uh what we what we might do to uh celebrate the year um i'd say uh, two and a half three years before before 96 Yep, so it was a long process, obviously. Uh, there were some great celebratory moments from the year as well. There was a gala dinner from memory, a gold premiership cup, which was quite unique, awarded to North Melbourne, a great documentary yeah. which you commissioned called 100 Years of Australian Football. Do you personally have a yep. favourite moment from that year? Uh, yeah, I do. I, it, it, at the, at the uh, game that was the actual um, uh, first game, uh, that was played. I think uh, um, I'm just trying to think. It was Geelong and Essendon, and, and Essendon, I think. Yeah, and uh, uh, we we played the game at the MCG, and it was it was uh, uh, sort of promoted as the the sort of hundred year game, the reenactment of the hundred year game. And that night. Uh, we had to have the mandatory fireworks, you know. <laughs> they, they called me Guy Fox at the AFL, <laughs> and uh, so we had the, the fireworks. And of course, there was it was a very still night, and there was a mist over the over the ground. And um, uh, we had a, a pipe band, and and they marched through this mist. And we we had a, a, a young uh, uh, tenor singing the the anthem, and it was quite eerie. It was, you know, this almost this Scottish mist and and this, this beautiful tenor voice coming through the mist on the ground. I thought that was, uh, you know, one of the one of the more poignant uh, moments uh, in the year, actually. Oh, that's a great memory, and I remember that reenactment round. It was fantastic with the uh, old yeah. jerseys. 
Um, it's interesting. It's interesting, Ross. On the day of this recording, not sure if you're aware, September the first, we're actually marking 25 years to the day since Fitzroy played their last game against Fremantle in Perth. And there's been a lot of right, com- yeah. there's been a lot of commentary in recent times that their last match should have been played in Melbourne. Was there a reason why the game couldn't be relocated back to Melbourne in front of the home supporters? And would yeah. things have been done differently on reflection? Well, look, there's always there's always a temptation to do that, but. Um, the game was scheduled to be played in in Perth. It was uh, a home game for the, the, one of the teams over there. They played Fremantle, I Correct. think, today. Yep, Frio. Yep. yep. Um, and uh, Fremantle had had contracts and whatever with their sponsors to have a have that game in Perth, and uh, it was going to be a hell of a business to try and uh, to try and shift the game and get agreement from all the from all the people that uh, are involved, not not the least of which was uh, uh, the um, the ground managers who uh, had built in a uh, you know TV coverage for signage and all that sort of thing into their uh, into their budgets. So whilst it it sounds terrific, um, you know we'll just shift it back to to Melbourne. Um, there's a lot more to it than that when uh, when you take all those other things into uh, consideration. Now, of course, Fitzroy merged with Brisbane, but they were close to merging with North Melbourne. Do you think if the Kangaroos had not been at their peak at that time on the field, on their way to winning the Premiership, that the Fitzroy-North Melbourne merger would have gone ahead instead had circumstances been different? Um, no, look, I, I, I think, I think the, the cruncher came when... Uh, when the meeting was held uh, uh, at Richmond Football Ground, and uh, um, North Melbourne wanted the whole list um, initially, and um, the uh, the other clubs were not keen on that, and neither were we. Mm. Um, uh, North Melbourne had a had a pretty good team anyway, but the fact was that no one had been offered the uh, the full Fitzroy list, and Brisbane certainly weren't uh, wanting that. Um, but um, uh, eventually, North Melbourne relented and said that they'd uh, they would um, uh, accept the the uh, smaller the smaller list from Fitzroy. But it was too late. The, the clubs had uh, decided that they didn't want it. They approached the commission and made their their uh, their thoughts uh, known, and uh, uh, that was sort of it. Speaking with former AFL Chief Ross Oakley, 25 years to the month of the end of his tenure as the AFL Chief back in 1996. Uh, the Melbourne Football Club, funnily enough, are the favourites to win the 2021 flag at this point in the final series. It was on this week, 25 years ago, they fought out the famous merger match with Hawthorne in the last round of that year when it looked as if both clubs might merge and their futures were under a cloud. How close from your yep. perspective did it come to the merger actually occurring? Um, well, uh, Hawthorne were uh, Hawthorne were quite keen, uh, and of course uh, uh, Melbourne uh, board was quite keen. But uh, uh, when the um, when the the big meetings were held um, at the town hall, there's one big meeting at town hall in Hawthorne um, that uh, that put paid to uh, the whole uh, merger because. When you when you can stir up uh, the, 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 the 
emotions of a supportive base, mm. it's very difficult to overcome. And that's one of the great things about our game. And I think I make this point in the in the book that um, you know one of the great things that we've got going for us with Australian football is the fact that we've got such a strong and emotional and, and involved uh, supporter base, and that keeps the game very strong. But it's also it means that it's extremely difficult to uh, to achieve a merger, which in those times. Uh, was going to be pretty important for the league. We forget, uh, I think, these days just how broke the league was back then. And uh, uh, we, we were uh, really uh, trying to expand the competition to make it a better league and to have, it, have a uh, very strong future. Um, uh, but we didn't have any money to do it. So... Uh, uh, these are the sort of problems that uh, that we faced during that time. Just from a financial point of view, Ross, give us an insight as to how much changed financially for the clubs and the league itself from the moment you took over the role in the mid to late 80s, I think at the end of 86, to 1996. Mm. How much did it shift? Uh, uh, quite, quite amazingly. Uh, I think membership, club membership... Um, went up something like about uh, tenfold. Um, television rights went up more than tenfold in that 10-year period. When I uh, joined the league, uh, we were being offered $3 million a year um, by the television networks to uh, cover the game. And we had to break that because uh, we were we were offering na- then a, a national competition as opposed to a Victorian competition. And um, uh, by the time I left, I think it was something like about uh, high 40s, 50 million. Um, uh, so it had gone up, uh, you know, well over tenfold, probably more like uh, uh, 12 or 14 fold. Um, and uh, of course, nowadays it's um, <laughs> it's another it's another. Uh, five or six fold more than that and we're talking another 200 million a year so um, the whole secret to it was uh, develop a national competition and start to grow the support for the game uh, uh, nationally and then you get the national TV audience and that's what happens to the television revenue when you do so. Speaking with former AFL Chief Ross Oakley here on SEN just an interesting synergy I picked up then in terms of the start of your tenure and the end of your tenure. A common thread is Ron Casey because Ron Casey was in charge of Channel 7 and uh, you had a few interesting conversations with him about TV rights when he was, I think, the general manager of the station back then, at least yeah. in Melbourne. And then you go to the end of your tenure, he was one of the key figures at North Melbourne. Uh, what was it like dealing with Ron Casey and uh, your conversations with him? Did you keep a mutual respect or did it get testy at times? No, it was never testy at all. Uh, Ron, uh, Ron was a terrific uh, operator, and he got, did a great job with North Melbourne. There's no doubt about that. And uh, we um, we had a good relationship with uh, Channel Seven, but uh, of course, eventually Seven was sold to uh, um, uh, other 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 bodies that uh, other corporations that uh, <laughs> uh, unfortunately took it out of. Ron's uh, hand, um, 
but um, Rob was the one that uh, that offered uh, three point three million dollars, and if you don't make a decision quickly, it'll be three million dollars, uh, which was a bit of a a bit of a difficult uh, situation to to cope with. Um, and of course, there was there was the so-called keep off the grass agreement. So that's why. That's why uh, there was no competition from the other television stations and, and Ron was able to offer the figure like that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ross. So I think it states that you were on the record stating that lessening the number of Victorian clubs should be looked at to make the competition sustainable back 25 years ago. Have you ever wavered from that view since? Do you think even now today that uh, we should look at lessening the number of Victorian clubs and if it is financially sustainable or have things changed so much that... <laughs> Obviously, the supporter bases can carry them through potentially. Yeah, you 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 have views based on the circumstances at the time, and as I said before, the the uh, VFL was uh, uh, in debt at that stage. Uh, it was it was basically broke. We had to get uh, groups of, of supporters and and corporations to put money into. The West Coast and and uh, Adelaide and and Brisbane, in order to expand the competition, it wasn't the AFL's money, and uh, uh, without that, it just would not have happened. Now, of course, that the game is developed and grown, uh, television revenue revenues will support the competition. So I, I noticed recently that. Uh, there's a big move to have t- uh, Tasmania in the competition. Yep. Well, you know, uh, well, well and good. That's uh, that's fine. Uh, I think I think um, Tassie will probably need to be supported for some years, but the AFL now has got the the means and the wherewithal to do that. And uh, so, uh, uh, you know, if if we can if we can uh, uh, su- support and survive with the teams that are uh, there now, then uh, there's really no reason to uh, to change the structure. Just on Tasmania, was a Tasmanian team ever on the cards at any point during your tenure? And do you think, obviously, the time is right now for a Tassie team to enter the competition, but even in those 10 years, was there ever a sustainable business case put to you for a Tasmanian team to enter the AFL? Well, the, the case the case was was uh, basically put to us several times, but the problem was that um, it relied on uh, the AFL putting quite a bit of money into Tasmania to sustain it, mm. and the government putting quite a bit of money into the into the team. And the two problems that that we faced there were one that the AFL wasn't wasn't capable at that time of doing that. And the second one was there's always a problem with governments putting money into into football clubs um, when governments change sometimes the uh, the commitment changes with it and uh, and that could cause if if the government support is substantial that could cause real real problems with uh, the longevity of the team. Speaking with former AFL Chief Ross Oakley, we appreciate your time, Ross, on what is an interesting time in the world, obviously. Just in relation to revenue coming out of TV rights, and that's been the main source, as you mentioned, for the AFL for a number of years, do you think we could potentially reach a tipping point where that's no longer the case because 
free-to-air TV networks and the traditional media, I guess, radio as well, are probably not making as much money as they used to. And there's the rise of streaming platforms. Do you think that that could be a concern for the AFL in terms of maybe having to find other revenue streams? Mm. Um, look, I think I think there's there's always uh, that concern um, that, that uh, stands behind the the coverage of the game. But I've got to say that uh, 20 years ago or more, um, the same comments were being made that how how on earth could uh, television stations substantiate 50 million, 60 million dollars being put into a game every year? We're now talking quarter of a million dollars or more. Uh, so, you know, you, you, you've got to you've got to look at the history of it and say, well, is, is there ever going to be an end point, or is it just going to continue to grow, even if it grows uh, uh, less uh, quickly than it did over that period? Uh, the odds are that. Uh, various forms of media are still going to be important to the supporters and uh, uh, they'll be uh, prepared to uh, to pay for uh, uh, that support and coverage. Another significant event which occurred in 1996, Ross, was the night the lights went out at Waverley Park in round 10 between St Kilda and Essendon. You were actually at the game and appeared on TV I at the moments afterwards with Malcolm Blight when I think he had to get his candle or cigarette lighter out to try and keep himself on camera. Can you recall the moment you saw the lights go out and the aftermath of the commission having to meet and make a ruling of what to do next? Because it was very unprecedented in that sense in a home and away game. Yes, it was. Uh, yes, I was there. I was sitting upstairs and uh, and when they went out and uh, of course the first, first wrench is, what the hell? <laughs> and I raced down to... Uh, the um, management office downstairs uh, and uh, uh, asking what the hell was going on uh, and was it was it our problem was, was it something that had gone wrong within the uh, stadium or was it an external issue and we eventually found that it was uh, it, it was an external issue and uh, uh, I think I think that was that was about that time that uh, we decided we, sh- we should call the game off and uh, for the night anyway and uh, uh, send everyone home. Um, but uh, I think, um, you know, at that time, I think we had backup generators downstairs, but they only backed up uh, from a safety perspective, you know, uh, lighting in exit uh, areas and, and lighting in the understands and all that sort of thing. Yeah, it was quite an amazing night. Not sure it'll, it if will ever be replicated in that sense. We're speaking with former AFL Chief Ross Oakley. Can you remember your last day of the job at HQ, Ross? What did you do that day, and what was your overriding feeling when you walked out of the office for the final time? You know, I I, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I think it, it was um, the, the last day I remember was... Um, a grand final day, which was a was a great day, um, and then we had a bit of a party, I think, afterwards in the in the uh, in the dining room for AFL staff and so forth. And uh, I foolishly uh, I foolishly saying I did it my way, <laughs> <laughs> which 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 didn't uh, uh, didn't go down too well, but 
I'm, I'm sure you were a very good Sinatra impersonator, Ross. Yeah. No worry about that. <laughs> but uh, that was, you know, it was a wonderful day. It, uh, I was, I was uh, definitely, uh, I was there for a little, a, a few more weeks after that, but very much winding down and, and handing over to uh, to uh, Wayne Jackson. I'm sure you're glad there were no smartphones back in 1996 filming you, Ross, when you were seeing that. Uh, do you think it takes a That's certain? True. Do you think it takes a certain type of personality to be the CEO of any organisation, not just the AFL? I mean, were you always someone who inherently could take the scrutiny from the media and, and various external quarters, or were there times where the role was all encompassing and it had an effect on your own personal and family life and even your mental health in a way? Hmm. Um. Uh, I, I look I, I, before I joined um, uh, the VFL AFL. Um, I'd run Double uh, AMI, the car insurance company, and I'd run uh, Royal Insurance, which is a big British-based insurance company. Mm. Uh, and I'd uh, be involved uh, uh, with a former umpire, actually Ray King. Uh, as marketing director of uh, Wins, the wine company. So, I'd been I'd been very much uh, involved in senior positions uh, in, in the corporate uh, world before I came to football, um, and I had quite a bit to do with the media from that perspective, but nothing like no. nothing like uh, when you come to the AFL. I mean, you it's twenty four seven. I'd I'd be uh, Answering media phone calls at ten o'clock at night and at seven o'clock in the morning, and uh, uh, a lot of your time was taken up in dealing with uh, the media and uh, providing them with answers, which uh, they then, of course, pass on to uh, uh, our uh, our supporters. It's an all-encompassing role, no question about that. What piece of advice did you give to Wayne Jackson, your predecessor? Was there one little bit of advice, uh, or did you feel that he was more than capable? Obviously, you felt he was capable, but did you give him a little bit of a helping hand advice-wise? No, I I didn't give him any advice. Um, He he actually came out of the corporate world too, of course. uh, He'd been involved in the wine industry and uh, in South Australia, and... uh, um uh, so you know i i didn't think there was uh, really a lot that uh, i could presume to tell wayne um other than the, the fact that the, the one thing that that uh, you probably don't quite understand when you when you join uh, the the league uh, that was um the time that you spend uh, in media matters and uh, uh, I think there might have been a conversation or two about that uh, at the time. Speaking with former AFL Chief Ross Oakley, 25 years after his final year in the role, just a couple more before I let you go, Ross. It was such a high-profile sure. role that you held at the AFL. Was it difficult for you to mentally transition outside of that type of adrenaline-filled environment? Because they often say about adrenaline, whilst it can be scary in terms of dealing with high-octane issues it's also in a way quite addictive for some people yeah i really didn't ever have a hell of a lot of trouble dealing with it there were times that that, that where the pressure was on that uh you know i'm sure the family would have uh a sense that uh there were you know a lot of things going on in my mind but um 
uh, I think it's I think it's a time commitment that that is the biggest um, uh, the biggest downer I suppose in this whole exercise and the time that you have uh, left if you're going to do the job properly the time you have left for family matters so that um, that's probably the the uh, the, the sort of the, the downside of, uh, of having a job like that. How are you spending your time these days, Ross? Uh, well, right at the moment, I'm... Uh, <laughs> Aside from lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not in lockdown. Oh, are you elsewhere? Okay. <laughs> I'm right at the moment at Perigian Beach in the, in Queensland. Oh. And um, we come up here for four or five months of the year in winter to try and get some warmth into our arthritic bones and joints. Um, so uh, we're still here at the moment and we won't be coming back to Victoria until uh, <laughs> it uh, opens up. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's uh, that's uh, we did the same last year. We came back, I think, in mid-November because that was uh, whilst we we normally come back for the grand final. Uh, last year, of course, the grand final was in Brisbane, so I was able to go to uh, to the grand final here. Uh, I'm very, very envious. Don't worry about that. And uh, as <laughs> I let you go, Ross, as a former St Kilda player, when do you think they can win their next flag? Are uh, you optimistic oh. in the next few years? You never know. Uh, well, you never do know. Uh, things can turn around pretty, pretty quickly, I suppose. But... Uh, they played some great games this year, but then they played some terrible games, and uh, I think that's the biggest issue: the inconsistency that uh, they've displayed in recent years. Um, they, they, they've, they've played some fantastic football, and you, you're left thinking, "Ah, this, this is this is it. We're going to be up there. We're going to be, you know, in the finals fight." Uh, and then they play three weeks of. Uh, you know, just poor football for some reason or other. So uh, there's always hope. They always give us hope. And, uh, they've just got to translate that into uh, success now. Well, Ross, really appreciate your time reminiscing about your final year in charge of the AFL and indeed talking about present matters as well. All the best for the future and thanks again for giving up your time. Thanks very much, Dan. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.